Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I've got Todd T. Riley. He'll be engineering the show today, and he'll be taking, making sure that I stay on time. Listen, as we enter the I Work For Him zone, I just want you to take a moment, step back, and I want you to recognize a few things. Listen, I Work For Him is a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your paradigm. It describes who I am, and it describes what God has done in my life to shift my paradigm from working for me to recognizing all along I've been working for him I hope it soon will describe who you are what you do each and every day listen each day in the I work for him show we just want you to recognize a few things number one that your life in Jesus haven't been impacted by his saving grace that life applies to each and every hour of each and every day and everything about you should be changing that your existence in the workplace whether it's in a home in an office in a church a warehouse an open field or at a used car dealership that that is not by chance God's got you there on purpose God has given that workplace to you as your mission field and in your workplace you may be the only Jesus your co-workers and employees may ever meet. Listen, we all have a calling. Some people get called to the pulpit. Some people get called to the foreign mission field, but the majority of us, the majority of us get called to the cubicle. You know, as it says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behaviors and customers of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Talk about a paradigm shift. That's what we call The I work for him paradigm shift. Listen, my life is being transformed by Jesus Christ each and every day is yours. Welcome to the I work for him zone. You may never be the same. You know, each day on the I Work For Him show, we focused on discussions that will challenge you. You know, I either bring on authors that have great things to share or ministries that are doing great things, or I bring on Christian business people that have testimonies to share that you need to hear. And that's what today's all about. Today, we have the privilege of hearing from the heart of Chef John Rivers from Four Rivers Smokehouse. And you may say, Jim, Why are you bringing on a chef from a smokehouse that's not even in Tampa? Well, you've got a treat waiting for you. Sometime in the middle to late December, Four River Smokehouse is opening up in Tampa, right on Dale Mabry, up in the Carrollwood area, right, John? That's right. So you've got to hear this guy's heart because you're going to want to go to this place. Well, first of all, Martha and I have gone there several times up to the Jacksonville branch. They've got one right next to the hotel we always stay at, right near where my son lives. And I am personally extraordinarily fond of the moist brisket with the excessive burnt ends on it, all sliced up nice with some baked beans on the side. Martha likes the corn relish. 
delish, and boy, the biscuit <laughs> weighs almost a pound. It's unbelievable. So listen, I want you to listen, not just because John cooks incredibly good food, but because God has done an amazing thing in his heart, and you need to hear it. So welcome, Chef John Rivers. To the I Work For Him show. Hey, thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. You know, I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. I, you know, people say that, but I hope you really have a good time. <laughs> All right, listen, as we do with each and every guest on the show, I always want people just to share, hey, how's Jesus Christ making an impact in your life today? So just share for the audience, how's Jesus making an impact in your life? Oh, right now, every day, you know, we, we took this whole leap of faith. We jumped into an industry we weren't familiar with at all. And, 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 and I will have to say, if we didn't have Jesus and we didn't have faith and that, that confidence of every day, even despite all the perils and despite everything that we face, you know, not only opening, but still, you know, here we are today or five years later, we've got uh, getting ready to open our eighth store. We'll be right here in Tampa. We still face perils. You know, we still have things that we have to overcome every day. So you can't, it, it's not a one-time only. It's, it's, you know, it's that confidence. It's that constant prayer and communication with Christ and with God. And, and just to give you, you know, help you get through that. Because one thing I've learned in this, Jim, is you, you certainly can't do it by yourself. <laughs> well, you could, but you'd run on your own strength. You'd run out of strength. And you'd more than likely fail when you do things on your own. Absolutely. And, you know, something that was shared with me a long time ago by somebody very special he told me, he said, you know, because I wanted to write a business plan when I went into this. And he says, no, don't write a business plan. I said, why is that? He says, well, then you'll have to follow it. And I started laughing. He says, here it is. He says, you know, set yourself to a purpose and let God work out the details of the plan of how you actually do and enroll that purpose. Let God work out the details. I got to write that one down because I, I, when I was ta- when we were at the Christian Chamber meeting that you spoke uh, in last month, I, I wanted I, I was trying to write down all the notes of all the different great things that you said, and I I I missed some of it because you talk so fast. It was so great. I really want people to hear the whole story on how God grabbed you from the pharmaceutical industry and now has you at one of the most incredible smokehouses, barbecue places in the world. Well, first of all, does God like barbecue? You know, I, I think uh, it, it's pretty well documented uh, throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. There's an awful lot of burning going on of uh, fresh meats, and I, I think he has a, a good taste for it. You know, it's kind of funny, as, as we talked about that, you know, I know I sent you that email last week, but I've always joked with my friends and said, listen, God enjoys a good barbecue. I mean, God loves, I mean, he said it was a pleasing aroma when, when the Israelites would do sacrifices. I'm like, why do people think it's sacrilegious to say that? I'm like, listen, God understands he really enjoys the smell of a good barbecue and there was always a little breading a little oil and i mean <laughs> when you really think about it what an incredible thing it was and then i ran across that article as i was preparing for the show i ran across that article the theology of barbecue yeah. and, and it was pages and pages long trying to justify why god loved barbecue and i just don't have any doubt yeah that was pretty cool definitely very confirming about what we're doing is for god yeah. Well, and, and you know what? And I talked about right at the beginning of this, the show, but your stores are incredible. I mean, it's very, very simple. Nothing nothing fancy about it. Just a, a great place to go, take friends, sit down and have a great meal. You know, you, you, you go through the line, you get to pick what kind of meat you want to have. And like I said, I recommend the brisket. If I, I mean, The moist end of the brisket. That's the stuff that's got, for you health freaks, you're not going to eat it because it's got fat in it. Oh, it's unbelievable. But you got to get some of those burnt ends. Last week when we were there, or two weekends ago when we were there, I said, listen, I want burnt ends on it, but I want brisket. I don't want all a big mashed pile of burnt ends. I want the sliced stuff with the burnt ends. The, oh, it was, nice. so, it was nice. so good. I'll tell you what, that dang brisket, 
I didn't realize it at the time. That's the hardest piece of meat to cook. So I grew up here in Florida. So, you know, growing up here, you, know, you had pulled pork everywhere, or sliced pork, really, back then. You didn't have pulled pork available. And I moved out of Texas after I graduated college. And it was the first Thanksgiving that I was there with, at the time, my girlfriend, who became my wife. We go to her family's house for Thanksgiving. And on the dinner table, you know, very traditional Texas, you have a beautiful big turkey. And right next to you, you have this huge chunk of meat. And I said, what's that? Is that a pot roast? And uh, Oh, you almost got smacked, didn't oh, you? Oh, dear Lord, don't say that in Texas. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> all the cousins who were boys, you know, they all looked at me, because we were just talking about barbecue and how much we all love it and this and that. And they said, I thought you said you like barbecue. I said, I've been eating barbecue. I went, you know, barbecue every single week with my grandpa, you know, growing up every single week. I've never seen anything like this. I tasted the brisket there for the first time and absolutely fell in love with it. Well, they're giving me a hard time. This is a true story. You know, testosterone of a 23-year-old me, I said, well, I'll tell you what, boys. I said, I'm going to learn how to cook it, and I'm going to learn how to cook it better than anybody else sitting here. Little did I know, you know, that the brisket is the front breastplate of the cow. There's two sides, and it's it's there. It's like a piece of leather. You know, it's there to protect the organs of the cow from the underneath, and you can't just pick that piece up and just go and cook it. It it we we age every piece for 30 days and we smoke every piece for 18 hours. It's if you can imagine each piece a raw piece weighs probably 13 to 16 pounds, okay? It's the same meat that they make um, pastrami out of and it's the same meat that they use to make uh, corned beef out of. And a lot of people don't realize that. No, I wouldn't recognize no, that. No, no, and it's, it makes sense though. It's got that it got that look the texture, to it. That's yeah, right. The texture, yeah. That's right. Actually, that's a mistake. A lot of people want to go and try to smoke brisket. They'll go to Publix or go to you know, any grocery store and pick it up. And what you're actually getting is just the flat end of it. Okay, it's got all the fat taken off. And then they'll go home and they'll try to smoke that. And it comes out like a hockey puck. You know, it really <laughs> is. And you really realize this piece of leather. you got to have the whole big piece with all that fat. That moist end that you like so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what keeps it nice oh, and moist during yeah. 18 hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable. You know, I, the first time I ever had brisket was... Um, at Bush Gardens, we moved down here 13 years ago, and I thought that was really good. Their, their smokehouse isn't bad, and, and, and until I tasted yours, I mean, it was I was good. I thought this is pretty good, and then I had yours. I'm like, yeah, we went back to Bush Gardens. I'm like, yeah, I'm never having brisket again. Not at Bush Gardens. <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk about important things because really, how God has worked in your life is so people need to hear it because as as you shared your story, I'm thinking, wow. God does this to so many people. He's done the same thing to me. So let's hear about it. You're, you're, you're a pharmaceutical professional. You know, you've got a good job, and God starts moving in your life. Just start the story. Absolutely. It was, I was in healthcare for 20 years. And uh, even though when I was a kid, I loved to cook. You know, um, when I got through college, worked my way through, it took a long time. I was determined, all right, if I'm not going to be able to cook, well, then I'm going to go into healthcare and you know, do something in the uh, medical supplies or pharmaceutical. And I had a goal. I said, I want to be the president, see over business one day. And it's funny, Jim, looking back then, you know, all of my goals were material-based. It was in so many years, I want to be at this level. So many years, I want to be making this kind of money. You know, God wasn't an, a, a core piece of my life. Now, I grew up going to church, and I still went to church. But, you know, he, he wasn't speaking to my heart, and I certainly wasn't listening, I should say. Mm. He was always speaking. Um, I wasn't listening to that word. And so I, I climbed it. I climbed that corporate ladder. And then one day, I became the president of a, a very large pharmaceutical distribution business. I was very blessed with it in our life. And I realized something. You know, this is not really what's stirring my heart. This is not what I want to be doing, which is something I think a lot of people come to. And you have to make a decision. You know, I always say you get three things when you're working. Either you're learning, okay, or you're doing something you're passionate about, okay, or you're making money. 
All right, and there's nothing wrong with all three of those when they hit at the same time. That's a blessing. That's a good season in life. It happens very rarely. Very rarely. But at the end of the day, if the reason that you're you're tying your shoes and getting up early and cleaning up and going, you find yourself doing it all just for the money, and you're not learning anything and growing, and you're not doing something you're passionate that's speaking to your heart, I tell you, that makes a very long day. And that really is a definition of work. When you're doing something that you're that's not stirring your heart, well, I realize that. The day I, one day, about two years into being the president, I found myself complaining about my job. All right, we've been talking. We just started getting into this story of Chef John Rivers from Four Rivers Smokehouse, talking about how God moved him from pharmaceuticals to barbecue and having it all about ministry and really on how God just moved in his heart. Now, let me just talk to you about what this is all about. Four Rivers Smokehouse is coming to Tampa Bay sometime the middle to the end of December. We don't have an exact date, but as we roll out this show, we want you to know that Martha and I have frequented their store in Jacksonville because our son Joshua lives up there, and holy mackerel, you cannot wait for this store to open. Wow, is all I've got to say. The best barbecue I've ever had of any type you're looking for, and then they've got this little... Are you doing a sweet shop at the new place, too? Oh, yes. Got to have it. That's what it's called, right? The sweet Sweet shop. Sweet shop. Purpose. You know, and this is something that Martha missed the first time. Martha's got a sweet tooth the size of Louisiana, and she missed this sto- the store. It, it, they make cupcakes and cake, and uh, I'm unbelievable. This place is unbelievable. But no pretense. Don't wear your best clothes. Wear your jeans. Wear a t-shirt. Come in shorts. It's just a great place to go have dinner. Look for it. What's the website, John? It's uh, www.4rsmokehouse.com. 4rsmokehouse.com. It'll be on our Facebook page, too. But 4rsmokehouse.com, you got to look for the grand opening announcement for the Tampa store. 4rsmokehouse.com. All right, welcome back to Chef John Rivers from the Four Rivers Smokehouse. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate being here. All right, listen, we're talking. You're just getting to say, okay, you've been, you finally reached your personal goal of becoming president of a pharmaceutical company. You've been in it two years, and you weren't happy. You were making tons of money, and you weren't happy. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting how that happens like that. Because I always tell my, my, my team, I said, you know, if you're not doing something you're passionate about, you know, first of all, try to bring passion into what you're doing, because that certainly makes a difference. And if you can't do that, go find something else to do. You know, take that step and go follow your heart and do it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I found myself in that same situation one day because I was driving home one day and I was talking to a former peer from an old company. And I started complaining about my job and he was complaining about his job. I hung up the phone. And I said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I've got a great job. I've got a great family and a great income. Why aren't I happy? Something was missing. And that something was what God put in my heart when I was just a little boy that I loved to cook. I remember the first time I had a chance to cook was a, a Christmas. I was probably 10 years old, 11 years old. We had a large extended family. They would always get together on the holidays. And uh, my parents said, you know what? We're going to sleep in tomorrow. You know, you guys, you do, you know, after you guys do the gift, we're going to take a nap. And uh, why don't you do all the breakfast? You want to cook for everybody? And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, I would love to. Well, they had no idea what I was putting together. I put together a spread that was three tables long for, you know, we have 25, 30 people show up. I cooked everything from hot dogs to sausages to eggs. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just loved it. And we had just a great time doing it. And that's what really confirmed it in my heart. This this is what I want to be doing. I absolutely love this. Things happen in life that take you down different paths. And my path took me into healthcare, And it was, like I said before, it was a fantastic career. But there comes a time, though, that, that seed that God plants, it doesn't go away. 
you know, it's in your heart. It just gets covered up for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you tend to forget about it. But it's still there, and it's still going. You're going to hear about it from time to time. And sure enough, man, that one day when I complain, that's all it took. Because if you, you know, work is a blessing. You know, work is a blessing because it's pay, it, it's it's taking care of you and your family and everybody else. And if you can't put your whole heart into it, then I think you're compromising the opportunity God's given you and putting in front of you. And I'll never forget because I'll look back in my my prayer journal, and the moment that happened. I started praying about it. You know, what are you stirring? What's in there? Tell me what you want me to be doing. And I remember specifically writing, you know, dear God, just put me where you want me to be. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very powerful <laughs> words. Yeah, so as I come to find out, you got to be careful what you pray for sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it's, it's what his thought is and his plan, not necessarily mine. So one thing led to another. You know, we were acquired. We sold our company. I uh, had the chance to make a decision about what I was going to do moving forward. Now, I didn't know what the answer was. Okay, I didn't have this whole thing mapped out. Everybody thinks there was a big strategy behind this, and um, you know, we, we, it was all calculated. It wasn't. You know, it, the whole thing started two years earlier. When I was, I was sitting at my desk one day, I get a phone call. It was a mistaken phone call. Well, we have, we have got to lay this up. Okay, you've got a bat phone. And a regular phone. <laughs> I got a bat phone and a regular phone. <laughs> the bat phone, only uh, my wife and my boss have the line for that. You know, it's one one phone, one line is personal. Was it personal. Hmm? Was it, <laughs> No. Didn't glow? Okay. <laughs> I was just checking. Come on. You remember the bat phone. Oh, yeah. The way you Mission described that, when, when you spoke at the Christian Chamber Conference, you described, okay, I got my regular phone and I have this phone that only two people have, <laughs> the mayor and my wife. Oh, no. You didn't say the mayor. That's Batman. Okay. So you've got this phone that, that, that you have for private conversations yeah. so that you can know that you don't have to answer the other one, but you do have to always answer that phone. Right. The other line always came through my uh, uh, admin, okay? And she would screen it and find out what it is, set up the call, and then she'd buzz me and let me know what's coming in. Right? Now, one day, the phone rang. It was my personal side, okay? And uh, I picked it up fully expecting to speak to my wife or to uh, to my boss. And uh, I'll never forget it. In particular, it was, it was a lady, and she was crying. And uh, she said, Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. Now, my daughter, Cameron, was a kindergartner at the time. This is back in 2004. And uh, I said, well, what's wrong with Cameron? And she says, well, her tumor, you know, her, her terminal brain tumor. And, you know, it was really fun. You know, I was, even though I was in the healthcare business, and specifically, we were, we were treating cancer patients all over the country, never, ever, ever before had it been personalized. That it, you know, for the first time, I had a, a purview of what it must be like for someone to have someone that they love to be going through something like that. And it absolutely, absolutely shook me up. I hung up the phone from this lady. I called my wife, and obviously it wasn't our daughter, okay? But I said, we're going to find out who this family is. We, we, we've we got to do something. And I'll never forget, as I shared earlier, my wife asked me, she says, well, what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, you, sometimes you look back and you understand why things are happening, or you, you can see how God's moving things, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it when it's happening. It was one of the first times in, in almost 20 years of marriage that I said to her, I don't know, but I'm going to do something. I feel a stirring in my heart. And we found that family. And this is really interesting, Jim. We found them, and there's no reason that phone call should have come to me that day. The little girl, uh, Megan was her name, um, she wasn't in Cameron's class. She didn't go to the same school Cameron did. 
they didn't go to the same church we're in. We didn't live in the same community. We didn't live in the same city. Her father and I didn't work in the same ministry. There's no reason that that phone call should have come to my phone, my bat phone that day in particular. And, and I know it wasn't a mistake because the words in particular that I remember were Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers. I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. And I'll tell you what, had that phone call not have happened, looking back, I wouldn't have been, I would not have made the leap into the barbecue business whatsoever because that was the impetus. <laughs> I said, we're going to find them. We did. And after about a week of, you know, trying to give them uh, health care and all this other stuff, you know, I finally realized, you know, what this family needs is money. You know, they don't need more drugs. They don't need any more care out there. They need some money. So I called the father up one day and I said, hey, John, I said, uh, let me write you a check. And uh, he said, absolutely not. And we argued about it for a while and hung up the phone. And, and, and that's when I felt this push on my heart. Okay. Pick up the phone, call him back. And I said, hey, John, it's me again. He says, yeah, I know. I, I just told you no. I said, I appreciate that. But I said, how about if we, uh, we do a, a barbecue for you, you know, at your church, and uh, all the proceeds that we raise, it'll be all your friends, anyone you want to invite, will go to help little Megan. And uh, he spoke to his wife, and they called back and said, sure. Now, Prior to this, okay, now, after college, I moved out to Texas. And when I was out in Texas, I always joke, and I said, I'm at the two loves of my life, you know, Monica, my wife, and Brisket, okay, and brought both of them back from Florida with me, okay? Well, all those years of traveling and healthcare, I would research, I'd go all over the country, and I'd hit every, every barbecue place you could practically think of and name. I, I pray that I've been to it and spoken to most of the pit masters there and learned as much as I could and just came back and just kept researching and trying and trying. It, it did literally take me 18 years to, to learn how to make that brisket. Oh, but it's so good. <laughs> now, we'd always done it in our backyard, okay? All right, for maybe 10 people, 15, 20 at the most. And like I said earlier, it didn't always come out good, but it was just fun to do. So I hang up the phone with John. He says yes. The event is 10 days so His long. name was John as well? Yeah. So you're both John Rivers. No, he's oh, not John Rivers. Oh, well, his, so the last name, the lady had the last name wrong when she called you. She didn't call me. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. She, yeah said, she did. She, she did. said, I'm Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers. But yeah. that wasn't the last name of the kid that was sick. No, Wow. Wow, 10 years later, we've put that together. I just I, I thought maybe the guy's name was Rivers. I thought uh, the Megan's last name was Rivers, so that's why they, they called oh, him. funny. No. No, literally, you know, get, you know jump I'm to sorry, the I'm sorry. I got you. I got you. You got, you got my punchline, but you jump to it. Um, you know, there's no reason that, literally, there's no reason that phone call should have come to me. Um, how she got us mistaken. I, and to this day, you know, 10, day, 10 years later, we still don't know who made that call. You know, as many times as, you know, this has been written about, we've been interviewed, books about it, you know, to this day, um, don't know who that phone call came from. Hmm. And I tell you what, as I said it before, if that phone call didn't come in, you know, we would have never reached out. We would have never offered to do the barbecue for him. Now, it was 10 days later, okay, that the thing was scheduled for, and I'm running this business, okay? And he says, yes, now, 450 people RSVP for it. And like I said, I've only cooked in my backyard for like you know, 20 people or so before that. Well, we didn't we didn't have the equipment. We didn't have the know-how. We didn't have the food, the storage. We didn't know what we were doing. But it, it, a group of people came together, and it was by the grace of God, you know, that we fed all those people and we raised lots of money for this beautiful little girl. And, and I always joke that in the process, nobody got sick. <laughs> we did it. Sure. But that was the launch of what we called our barbecue ministry. And to answer your first question, this was the first time that, you know, I was learning how to use work, okay, a, a passion, okay, and doing it to help other people. 
and the process of it. And God was showing me that by this, by this one opportunity, by this one case. And for the next four years. Tell us about this book. Uh, the book is actually, it's a, it was a second thought to the restaurant itself. And, uh, you know, we thought it would just be neat. We thought it would be a neat project, actually, just to, you know, kind of memorialize everything that was happening and, you know, and try to teach people a little bit about barbecue and a little bit about our history, my wife from Texas and me down here from the south, and hence the name, the, you know, the Southern Cowboy to it. And I had no idea how much time <laughs> it would take to, to write a book. It, it took me over a year to do it. And the reason being, it, it, you know, it really is capturing today and what's happening. And, and you want to do it right. And you want people to really value it and get something out of it, learn from it, as well as, as, as hopefully be moved a little bit when they read it. So it took a long time to do. We're, uh, we launched it last year and, and just couldn't be more pleased with how many books are flying out. It's really kind of cool to go to Costco and you walk down and, and you walk down the, the, the book aisle and there's like a you know Rachel Ray book and there's a Paula Dean and, and there's my book right in the middle of it. I still take pictures of it and it's just so surreal. I get so excited <laughs> about it still. Well, you ride along with Paula Dean because your food is certainly not the kind of food that the guys from CrossFit are eating. <laughs> but it's so, so good. All right, so listen, if you want to get a copy of The Southern Cowboy, Boy, John, Chef John Rivers' book, all I mean, it's really a cookbook and your story all in one. It is. It is. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. And that, Todd, you can't call in the studio line. You can't win this for yourself. 855-265-2929. And remember, you got to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. We're back. We're back and in studio with Chef John Rivers from the Four Rivers Smokehouse. John, you're, we're at the point in your story where you had just done the benefit for that uh, young girl named Megan who had brain cancer. And uh, you were, it was the first time you'd ever s- served 450 people. And uh, uh, it, it was really, that was the paradigm shift for it you. really was. That was the first time that I ever combined passion of cooking that I had was serving other people. Now this was also the the early stages of my of my faith walk. Okay, I'd always gone up going to church, but I really didn't have that personal relationship with God until probably about six months before that phone call came in, which is kind of interesting how the sequence of events happened. Had that call come in before I really started getting into the Word, I'm not sure I would have heard my heart and responded the way that God asked me to. Hmm. Very important. So we started what was called our barbecue ministry after that event. For the next four years, out of uh, out of our garage, uh, anytime we'd have school or kids or churches or families that were sick or they needed some money or something, you know, I'd, I'd offer to bring out the smoker and uh, come out and cook with them, and and absolutely loved doing it. Just was really passionate about it. And matter of fact, so much I was I was almost a different person. You know, when Monday through Friday came to all of a sudden Friday and Saturday night. Back then, I used to have to sleep all night, you know, out by the smoker, you know, and watch it, especially when there was such a big event. But it didn't matter. What are you watching? It just turns and turns and turns the smoker, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, the old barrel style, you know, that I had when most of us start off with, you got to watch the temperature. You know, oh. It can't fluctuate. And, you know, these meats are cooking 16, 18 hours. You know, you got to keep a close eye on it. Either that or I just use that as an excuse to sleep outside and camp. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> But it was a blast. We did it for four years. Never, never really dreamed that I'd be owning a restaurant, you know, let alone writing cookbooks and doing Food Network stuff and crazy stuff like that. It was always a, in my heart. I'd love to do it, but never thought we'd actually you know, be stepping into it. The 
the catering or the, the ministry business got to be so big, okay, after I had the opportunity to retire from uh, the healthcare world, um, stepped out and really wasn't sure exactly what I was going to be doing. But like I said before, I wasn't passionate about it. And as I always told my folks, if you can't uh, be doing something that you're passionate about, go so, go do something different. And here I am. I found myself going out and taking that step. And it's amazing how many people know that in their heart. And they're not taking that step. And, you know, and you ask them why. You talk about, you know, the mortgages and the kids and the bills and the school. Well, do you think you'll be successful at what you're going to do? You know, and, and you hear them question themselves. You know, the, 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 the onset of fear is worry. And the onset of worry is doubt. And it all starts in our heart. When we start doubting what God's already given us that capability to do, not just do, but to do great at it, we're really we're doubting what God is, can do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Once we lean into that, you know, we can become it. And that's an important thing, too. If we start leaning into the lies and leaning in and listening on a day-to-day basis of all the failures of other people and what's happened to them in their lives and all the reasons why you can't do it, that's what you become. It's, it's funny what you picture yourself. I'll tell you a funny story. The first Food Network event we did was back in, I think, 2010, 2011. And I had a chance to go down to South Beach and cook with uh, Bobby Flay and Emerald and all these guys. Wow. It was a, a big, big deal, especially somebody who's not culinary trained. You know, I laugh when people, when you call me even chef here. You know, I'm a cook. You know, I'm a backyard cook. And I went down there. This was the first year. And, you know, before a big event starts, they pull all the chefs together. You know, we're in Food Network, um, you know, chef jackets and the whole bit. And this is a big, big deal deal right and they pull us all together for a photograph so i walk up to the stage and i'm off to the side and i'm starstruck you know <laughs> looking at these guys and, and paula dean and all these people who are just awesome chefs and i can hear the lady saying chef chef get in the picture chef get in there and all of a sudden i i realize she's talking to me and you know something clicked and i said you know what if i'm gonna do this i gotta believe it i gotta see myself in this role that God's put me into doing. And I stepped in that picture. When I stepped out of it, I said, I'm going to be a chef. This is what I'm going to do. And it, it's amazing how that, that the way that you perceive yourself, so much is it, that, that dictates your actions, and it ultimately dictates how other people see you, too. Well, that's powerful. Very, very powerful. Because yeah, the mind is very powerful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What you lean into defines who you are. All right. So you've been doing... You, you, you do the the ministry for four years and you come to a turning point at work turning point at work actually about two years into the ministry we did the ministry two years after i retired as i was doing healthcare consulting and i said one day we got to we got to build this move move this out of the garage which my wife really was the reason why we was tired of the floor being greasy all the time i'm sure absolutely a mess that last year in the garage we estimate we served over fifty thousand people through the ministry (laughs) all right so it was a mess absolutely um and we, we decided to invest and build in our community, which is Winter Park, Florida. And it was supposed to be just a little commissary that we could run the, the ministry out of. It actually wasn't built as a restaurant itself. And the thought was, you know, we would have a little line. It was an old Just Breaks, which if you're ever going to go in the restaurant business, don't take a gas station. <laughs> Try to get for it. Gosh, that never would have occurred uh, to me anyway. Big mistake. This was in 2009, okay, right when the economy was at the lowest point. Okay, which is probably another, you know, not a great time to launch a new business. But, hey, you know, this is what God wants us to do. We're going to keep going forward with it. The original budget to open this sucker up was $188,000, okay? And it was only supposed to take about three and a half months to build. I found myself 
We were six months into the project and well over a half a million dollars into it, okay? And the whole entire project had come to a complete stop, okay? The contractor that we were working with started working on other projects and, you know, got behind and literally it was at a, a, a dead stop, okay? And I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, so not only is the economy upside down, all the money that we had from retirement, we put into IRAs, okay? It's down 60%. We built this big, beautiful home. The moment we moved in it, we're upside down on that. You know, in a matter of months, my wife and I found ourselves going from executive, okay, to literally we were down to 60 days of cash, okay, left between us and the family. And that, that was it, without having to break in at all these IRAs, which were upside down. Your Proverbs for Business segment brought to you by Business His Way. Proverbs 12:22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. Do you insist upon godly behavior from all your employees? As believers in Jesus Christ, we are free to walk in the light of God's commandments by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. But what about our non-Christian employees? Considering that God's law applies to every person, do we hold them accountable to a biblical standard of excellence and integrity? We can't ask non-believers to act just like Christians in every aspect, but we can insist that our staff exhibit truth and honesty when dealing with customers, and that they maintain a professional and kind disposition toward others. Make your standards and expectations clear to all and set a good example. Then expect everyone to adhere to your principles. Insist that every employee work in a godly manner, and your business will be blessed by the Lord. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal faithfully are his delight. Listen, for the last 45 minutes, we've been talking with Chef John Rivers from the Four Rivers Smokehouse. You're going, Four Rivers Smokehouse? I haven't even heard of that before. Well, you will. Just look for it. Their grand opening is coming up sometime here in the middle of December to the end of December on Dale Mabry up in the Carrollwood area. When it comes, you got to be in line and make sure you order the brisket. The moist end of the brisket is my favorite, but this place is unbelievable. All kinds of barbecue and and. And honestly, well, listen, welcome back to Chef John Rivers. Thank you, Jim. Okay, so on at your store in Carrollwood, are you going to have the cheer wine on tap as well? Got to have a cheer wine. Uh, so, you know, again, I grew up in Minnesota, okay, you know, where, where pop is very limited to either the Pepsi brands or the Coke brands, and I'm prefer- my preference is a Mountain Dew. I'm a Mountain Dew guy, okay? I mean, I really like Mountain Dew. And no, I haven't had any today for anybody that's listening. No caffeine. This is just Jim. I had it, my son got married last year in Jacksonville, and they had it at the wedding. And I'm like, I really like this stuff. <laughs> now, cheer wine is not wine. It is like a cherry Coke combined with a Mr. Pib, smashed together, a little Dr. Pepper, but it's really good. And it's it's a southern flavor out of what state? Was it North, North Carolina? North, Car- North Carolina. North Carolina. You got to say it right. I can't even say it right. Anyway, <laughs> but it is, it is now my second favorite pop, absolutely on tap. Okay, sorry. That's all right. That's, it, a, that's a popular one. It, it is. And I said pop, and nobody's corrected me. I love that. Nobody makes me call it soda here on my own show. Okay. So you, you've you you've bought this Just Breaks building. building. You're only two and a half times budget, and uh, uh, and you're you know six months behind schedule, which is a typical Florida story. And God, you, at this point in time, you are at the end of your rope, and you, need a, you don't just need a coincidence. You need a God-sized miracle to rescue you. Really do. The, the whole project was at a stop. I didn't have a solution. Running out of money. Everyone telling me, well, we're going to fail. And, uh, and then I thought, uh, I thought the blessing came through. I got a phone call. It was from my former, my former boss. And he's also my spiritual and my uh, business mentor. So I love this guy. 
And uh, he said, John, now we're going to buy three specialty pharmacies. We're going to combine all their assets. It's what his business was doing now. want to know if you want to be considered to be the CEO of it. And I'll tell you, this came on a Friday, and we were I was so relieved. I'm thinking, oh, fantastic. Here's the answer to the prayer. You know, this is going to you know solve all of our problems. I knew what the salary was. I knew what the job was. I know I could do it, you know, with my eyes closed, no problem at all. And something funny happened, Jim, from that Friday, which I was so elated about, to Sunday when we had to call him back and, and give him a decision if we were going to move forward or not. You know, it all changed. It all changed. I went from riding high to, man. I'm going to get back into what I didn't care for before. I knew what it was like. But more importantly, I felt like I was abandoning a dream that I had for the last 20 years. That God, he put the softball up there. He put it right in front of me. He said, even though it was tough and even though I didn't have the answers to what was going to happen next, you know, don't give up on it. And I think that was part of the message. And we prayed about it. And thank goodness for the strength of my wife. You know, and this is an important part of the message. You got to have that partner that's going to stand by you because mm-hmm. we spoke about it. Now, neither she nor I came from money, so you know we, we weren't fearful of going back and you know and, and living on romaine noodles again. You know that was, that was just fine, not what we wanted to do, but it you know it, it, it wasn't going to influence our decision. And she and she said, you know what? She said, if this is what you really feel God wants you to be doing, then I'll stand by your side. And that meant the world to me. I called Steve and I said, Steve, I'm going to pass on the opportunity. Thank you so much for thinking of me. He said, why? And I said, well, you know, I really feel God's got me on this path. And even though it's rocky right now, and even though I don't know where it's going to go or how I'm going to get through it, I don't want to abandon it. I'm so close to it. And the second thing, i got two children. And I didn't want my two children, they were teenagers at the time, I didn't want them to see that their father, I want, I want to show them that the father had enough courage to pursue his dream and have enough faith to do it, even if it meant failing at it. You know, show them the example. You go after your dream, no matter what it is. I hung up the phone, still didn't have an answer, didn't know what was going to happen, and something amazing happened in the next two weeks. I got two phone calls. Okay, isn't it funny how phone calls, you know, from the beginning with Megan to these two, that's what really shaped this life, this mm-hmm. business. And I don't think there's a, a coincidence it's why it's, it's it's called a calling, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that it came in this way. The first phone call came in. It was a, a friend of mine who was in a Bible study. And, uh, in the Bible study, he had a contractor in Orlando, and this contractor, his name is Brad, he had uh, two clients, Disney and SeaWorld, okay? Well, Brad drives by, you know, this anomaly that I have on Fairbanks and Winter Park that's at a complete stop, and when he's driving by it this particular morning, he's noticing it, and he feels this, this tug on his heart. He doesn't, know, he doesn't know me from Adam. He doesn't know that I'm even building this thing. He goes to the Bible study that morning, and then he says, you know, guys, he says, I just feel in my heart, you know, I think this guy's in trouble who's building this place on Fairbanks, and I just, you know, feel like I need to help him. You know, I feel it in my heart. And my friend is in the Bible study. He looks at me and says, yeah, he's in big trouble. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. He is at a dead stop. Brad steps into my life, okay, takes over the project, and he gets us. Now, remember I said when we were down to 60 days of cash before? Mm-hmm. He gets me to CO, which is Certificate of Occupancy. He gets me to opening date 59 days from then. Okay, one more day, and we were out of cash completely. Then the second phone call came. All right, so now I got some work being done. I'm feeling good about this, right? But I still don't, still on shaky grounds in terms of it becoming a restaurant. Okay, and uh, we were coming back from the beach, and I was in the truck and had you know Bluetooth on. I never forget it. My kids are in the back seat, and we get back in the truck and, and look down the phone. And here's a message from a 404 phone number, and I said, "Who's calling me from Atlanta?" And uh, I hit it. 
And this message is, um, he says, uh, Mr. Evers, he says, this is Dan Cathy. He says, I work at Chick-fil-A. I'll never forget. I looked at it. I said, you don't work at Chick-fil-A. You own Chick-fil-A. <laughs> he says, I just had your brisket and your sauce. And he said something so nice. Like, oh, like, that's the best thing I've ever had. And I'll tell you what. He didn't know me from Adam. He gives me his phone number, his home phone number, his cell, his assistance number. He says, anything. He says, I feel into my heart. Anything I can do to help you? He says, I just want to let you know I'm, I'd be happy to serve you. And completely out of the blue. Now, get this, okay? Some friends of his, or acquaintances of his, were in Orlando that weekend. And if I understand it correctly, they went to an event that I donated some food to for some school or some church, okay? They left Orlando with some of my brisket and some of their sauce for going to a, a party or dinner party up in Atlanta. were running late, so they didn't have time to go cook something. So they brought my brisket in, threw it in the microwave, and put it out to warm it. And that's where Dan had it, Dan and his wife. And you talk about just circumstances leading up to, you know, just how God was, is completely at work on the background, and you might not see it happening. But I tell you what, he stepped in my life, and he was just completely awesome. You know, there's no other word for it. He gave me the confidence that I needed and helped me structure. What does this look like as a restaurant if we're really going to do it? I'll never forget, you know, he, we had to build a P&L. And uh, I, I said, how much should I use for revenue? It was only 1,100 square feet. It was just a little teeny place. And I said, you know, about that square footage, you probably do about $1,500 a day. Or, you know, if you do about $2,000 a day, you'd be doing really, really well in this marketplace. I said, okay, great. So it was uh, October 26 in 2009. Okay. I'll never forget the day because we were, like I said, we were just on the cups of running out of money. We had no idea what was about to happen. Uh, we didn't have any money for advertising. Um, we, we couldn't do any promotions. We couldn't do anything. There's 12 employees. My wife and I were two. I was a carver. She was running the cash register. And all we could do was just unlock the door and pray. And, uh, and that's when it started happening. You know, um, people, I remember that morning, people started coming in. And I would say, you know, at first it was just our, you know, people who felt sorry for us and our friends. And then uh, it started coming in. The people that we had served over all those years started coming in. And then after that, the line just kept going and kept going. And, you know, that day was, uh, we, we finished that day, I think it was $3,500. And uh, by far, that's one of the smallest, lowest days that we've ever had. And most important to this day, now we're five years old. You know, we've got, uh, we'll have 10 stores by the end of this year opening up. We've employed over 1,000 people. And uh, we've never we've never advertised still. We still take all those monies. We run it as a ministry. And we get put that money right back into the community and supporting people in need. Mm. Well, I wish we had had more time for more of that story. There's so much more. You need to go out to the 4rsmokehouse.com website and read more of this story and look forward to the grand opening in Tampa Bay. Listen, as we come to the end of, a, of another I Work For Him show, listen, tomorrow on tomorrow's show, Martha and I will be talking about the discussion, I'm Dreaming of a Stress-Free Marriage. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.